Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episodes, we will be speaking with Drs. Robert Klanderman and Alexander Vlar, who will be discussing their recent work, Reported Transfusion-Related Acute Lung Injury Associated with Solvent Detergent Plasma, a case series. Welcome, Dr. Klanderman and Dr. Vlar. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Klanderman, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Robert Klanderman. I'm a, uh, an anesthesia resident at the Academic Medical Center in Amsterdam uh, and a PhD candidate at the intensive care unit also here. And the, the bulk of my research, my PhD focuses on pulmonary transfusion complications, uh, namely TACO, but also uh, uh, diving into trolley. Thank you. And Dr. Vlar, could you introduce yourself as well? Hi, I'm Alexander Vlar. I'm a professor of intensive care medicine at the Amsterdam University Medical Center and University of Amsterdam. Um, I have a focus on transfusion-related morbidity and mortality uh, with a, a special interest in uh, pulmonary complications uh, after transfusion. Thank you. Can you summarize your study for our listeners? We reported a case series uh, in the journal Transfusion where we did a retrospective uh, cohort study identifying all possible transfusion com- pulmonary transfusion complications between 2016 and 2019 that were reported to the Dutch Hemovigilance Network. What we did is we dove into those reported cases and tried to uh, distinguish the TACO from the trolley cases and then um, contacted the uh, care providers that reported those tro- trolley cases to the Hemovigilance Network, asked them for additional data, um, and eventually, if the case fulfilled, uh, so the, the trolley criteria um, reported these cases. So we found a total of three trolley cases, of which one uh, patient gave informed consent. And that is the case we report on, which is a 69-year-old male um, that had an endovascular aortic aneurysm repair and received one unit of solvent detergent plasma. The unit was actually given three days after surgery. And within five hours, the patient went from normal breath sounds to uh, hypoxemic respiratory failure and requiring intubation. Uh, the patient made a full recovery. How did you come up with the idea for this study? Well, maybe I can uh, go for this. So, um, of course, transfusion-related acute lung injury, the, the identification of uh, HLA, HNA antibodies was very important in understanding a trolley, but also starting with preventive strategies. Uh, and, and mil-only or pooled plasma products is one of those strategies which which were successful in reducing trolley, but still do not prevent this life-threatening syndrome. And, and what we know from the critically ill studies, from clinical but also preclinical studies, is that uh, there is a, a two-hit but also a threshold model in which if you are uh, primed enough, just a small amount of antibody or incompatibility um, or any other uh, uh, inflammatory factor uh, in the product may be enough uh, to come over the threshold. Um, So um, this was uh, uh, a big question whether whether we really were able to prevent trolley uh, by just dilution uh, and, and reducing the antibody uh, complexes in the product, um, and this is something again from preclinical evidence suggests uh, it can still occur. Uh, and with those passive reporting, which I think is great again to underline the need and the importance of uh, bedside physicians 
reporting uh, pulmonary complications after blood transfusion to their hemovigilance system, this is the way we get for, move forward and understand uh, better uh, transfusion related acute lung injury. Um, and, uh, and now those first reports have been there. Uh, I think this will help and create awareness again that uh, maybe what has uh, started to uh, become um, a kind of dealing with with uh, pulmonary complications after pool placement that that uh, sometimes I hear the wording it's trolley free. Uh, I think we really should not do that because I think those case series uh, show it is not trolley free. Uh, and we should be aware of it and report it and understand uh, why this is still occurring uh, to improve in the end patient safety. Can you explain the hemovigilance system you have there in the Netherlands? Yeah, so we have several uh, uh, parties. Of course, the bedside physician is the starting point. Uh, he or she needs to um, uh, notify the the, the laboratory or the hematologist uh, on a transfusion reaction, they review the case, then it's being reported to the blood bank. But what I think is very good in the Netherlands that next to the blood bank, we have TRIP, which is an in independent uh, uh, foundation that also receives all the reports. And in that way, you have a separation of uh, the, the provider of the blood products and dealing with the side effects uh, the complications of the, the blood products. Uh, and I think this is very important uh, to have this kind of independent uh, pathway because, of course, there are several factors, uh, time uh, and money constraints in doing uh, full trolley research and, and workup of donors, which I think is very good that, that this is being separated. What percentage of the plasma transfused in the Netherlands is solvent detergent plasma? What we used to transfuse fresh frozen plasma in the Netherlands. And as of uh, somewhere between 2014 and 2016, there was a national movement. The, the national uh, blood establishment actually moved from fresh frozen plasma to solvent detergent plasma. And as of 2016 in the Netherlands, the primary product, plasma product, is solvent detergent plasma. And only for specific indications um, will we still transfuse fresh frozen plasma but it has to be specifically ordered from the blood bank. And your solvent detergent plasma is made from men only? Correct. So um, the, the product is actually made by a company called Octopharma, which also produces Octoplast. But um, in the, the Netherlands, we have a number of uh, additional regulations where blood transfused in the Netherlands needs to be from Dutch, or Dutch unpaid donors, and specifically in the case of plasma, um, uh, we transfuse male-only plasma. Since solvent detergent plasma has no detectable antibodies, could the trolley in this case or in other cases be mediated by an HLA or HNA and antibody-independent mechanism? Yeah, so this is a very interesting and important question. I think we need to, to, to do research on this. But again, what I already introduced in the beginning... Uh, there are already several uh, uh, studies out there that show that if you increase the first hit, you can lower uh, the concentration of antibodies and still develop trolley in preclinical studies. So the fact that they are non-detectable is in a way also just where you put your threshold of your Luminex or ELISA assay, where you say 
it is non-detectable. So this is, of course, the very important question. How many antibodies do you need in a critically ill patient uh, with a priming to come over the threshold? And in that way, just only providing uh, 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 an Luminex or ELISA assay saying uh, the antibody concentration is below the threshold. So, so this is also what you should uh, uh, mention. You should not mention there are no antibodies. No, they are below the threshold determined by the assay. Um, this is important, I think, to, to stress out. The other important finding is in, in this case is that there is this severe leukopenia, which is classic for a trolley, um, and, and also pointed out by the independent reviewers of the case series that this is really a trolley case, which suggests maybe more this antibody kind of response. Um, another third point to make uh, with this uh, question you raise um, is that trolley remains a clinical diagnosis and antibody testing is just only supportive, uh, but you cannot uh, uh, um, uh, turn down the trolley diagnosis uh, by the absence of, of antibodies. Because also, again, new insights in pathophysiology of trolley that the reverse trolley, also two uh, beautiful cases, uh, I think in transfusion by two independent groups, show that now also in leukoreduced products, reverse trolley can still be uh, uh, the setting uh, and, uh, and occurring in leukoreduced products, which we actually thought was not possible anymore. Most of the blood banks are not testing reverse trolley. So then in the absence of incompatible antibodies, uh, uh, testing. If you did not do the full package, uh, you cannot state it's not antibody uh, mediated. So uh, many reasons why to be very careful with those kind of statements. Can you tell us a little bit about reverse trolley? That's something I'm not sure all of our listeners are familiar with. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Sorry, maybe I, I went too fast. So uh, in the past, before we had leukoreduced uh, products, uh, we... Um, uh, uh, observed about 10% of the cases that the antibodies were actually not in the in the donor, but antibodies were circulating in the recipient, and uh, antigens on leukocytes in the product were the, uh, the, the the were activated by the antibodies in the recipient. And then, of course, we all know we we developed universal leukoreduced products um, and thought actually that uh, reverse trolley cannot be the case anymore, definitely not in, in for example, red blood cells with very low uh, leukocytes. Um, but uh, the case series published also in journal uh, transfusion showed definitely this can still uh, happen. And I think this, this is again stressing out why it's so important, I cannot say it often enough, uh, stay reporting the pulmonary complications after transfusion, because this helps us as researchers to know where to look for uh, in which cases and, and what may be the factor. And again, that may result in, in developing better products or preventive strategies. Um, and again, that improves patient safety. Um, another important thing is to remark is that, that most of the studies still show that uh, a restrictive transfusion is safe or even uh, superior compared to a liberal transfusion policy. And that makes clear that the products are, are still not that good as physiology has told us uh, they should be. Uh, but this is, of course, the reasoning within physiology of autologous uh, blood. And we have allergenic blood, and we need still to improve the products. And by reducing, of course, the complications, maybe the benefit, the upside of blood transfusion 
in the end finally uh, will be out there. But at this moment, it is still quite disappointing uh, how good the results are of trials uh, comparing uh, a liberal transfusion compared to restrictive if you look at basic physiology concepts. So in the case of the gentleman you report, what do you believe mediated his trolley? Do you think it was antibodies, a biologic mediator, antigens in the plasma, etc.? So in this case, we transfused solvent detergent plasma, which we know will still contain antibodies because even though solvent detergent plasma is a, uh, a, a product that is... Um, fabricated from a combined 500 or more than 500 donors, their antibodies are still going to be circulating. And even though they're undetectable by assay limits, antibodies can still be present. Now, if this, the first hit is severe enough, the threshold model says um, you, you just need a very few antibodies just to activate the immune system. So it can be antibody mediated. But then again, we also remarked on reverse trolley, uh, which is still a possibility. And um, in the cases where we just don't know what the cause is, maybe maybe there's still um, mediators out there that we don't know that are still activating the immune system and resulting in trolley. So w- we don't know, but we need to we need to be, we need to start looking in this patient population. In this case, what do you think the first hit was for this patient? So the patient underwent an endovascular aortic repair, and the procedure lasted about five and a half hours. Now this is medium risk surgery. Um, where there wasn't a lot of blood loss and the patient stayed in the ICU for uh, two days um, without any complication. So one would not suggest this patient to have a first hit or a very big first hit, but there's going to be uh, leukocyte activation. So if the first hit is there, it's from, the, it's from surgery. Did this patient receive any other solvent detergent plasma either prior to the trolley transfusion or afterwards? No, this, this was one unit transfused, and this is why it makes such a clear case and why we decided to uh, write this case up for the journals, because it's, um, it's a single unit of solvent detergent plasma resulting in a, in a fulminant respiratory failure. Um, no transfusions prior and no transfusions after were required. Are there lessons about the best practice for plasma transfusion that can be taken from this case? In, in this patient's case, was the plasma transfusion indicated? I, I think that is always uh, a good point. If, if we look now, we also uh, have now the first European site intensive care medicine uh, guideline, transfusion guideline, that the evidence for plasma transfusion uh, in the critically ill is very restrictive. Uh, and I think that's in general a note, what I already mentioned, that it's disappointing actually uh, how beneficial transfusion comes out of, of trials. Actually, all the trials the, the last two decades show that it's safe to not transfuse. Uh, the only field maybe there is there is some movement is the trauma, the massive bleeding. But again, there uh, uh, we should be careful with implementing the results because the first observational uh, plasma ratio studies from the war are me- severely flawed by uh, time-depending uh, uh, issues that, that patients were being enrolled, which were actually not able to receive the plasma because they died already before the plasma could be uh, uh, given. Uh, and this this started, of course, the discussion about uh, the one-to-one ratio, but actually the, the randomized trials later on never were able to show uh, the effect from the observational studies. Uh, 
Um, so uh, indeed, uh, we need to be very uh, careful with plasma transfusion. Whether a product uh, is indicated or not in this setting uh, doesn't matter uh, uh, regarding the case of trolley, because I think that, that of course, uh, you can always prevent trolley by not transfusing. But in this setting, the, the bedside physicians uh, uh, found an indication why they wanted to transfuse plasma. But I think the, the discussion should be really focused that solvent detergent plasma is able to induce trolley. Uh, and I think this is really the key um, takeaway uh, from this case theory. In your paper, you mentioned another case of trolley that you believe came from solvent detergent plasma, but the patient didn't consent, so you don't have uh, information to share. But do you know if the two products the patients received were from the same production lot? This is, uh, it's unlikely that they're from the same production lot because they were uh, given over a year apart. So it's unlikely that they are from the same batch. That would be unlikely, yes. What mechanisms of trolley mitigation for solvent detergent plasma should be considered as a result of your case series? Well, first, I think we, we need to better understand what, what is happening. Uh, but of course, a low-hanging fruit could be, of course, is screening all your uh, donors, which you enroll in your plasma product for the presence of, of antibodies. Of course, you still have the detection limit issue, but at least then the, the high-load antibody donors um, can be taken out. That could be, be uh, a path to, to go down to. Uh, but uh, new mechanisms or uh, reverse trolley uh, or other pro-inflammatory mediators, this is a field we need to, to investigate uh, which could be the factors. And I think here again, translational research, uh, as has been done uh, previously in trolley with the, the HLA, HNA antibodies, I think is a beautiful uh, way forward uh, to identify the, the mechanisms in place and then start designing preventive strategies. Given the rarity of trolley with solvent detergent plasma, although it's not zero, it's very rare, would it be safe to make solvent detergent plasma from donations from female donors? This is, of course, very uh, difficult to answer because uh, although the, the cases are rare, I think this is also a bit how uh, 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 the society uh, embraced the product as almost a trolley-free uh, product and if you start mentioning it that way uh, I can tell you the hemovigilance and the reporting will will get to zero because this is the feedback people are being given um, so first I think we need really to have proper prospective studies to know the real incidence of trolley after solvent detergent plasma not the passive reporting you really need to be on top of the cases and see whether patients have pulmonary deterioration after transfusion. Because if you think it cannot be the product because people say it is trolley free, nobody will start thinking about reporting it because people will say, oh, it's probably the underlying condition of the patient. Uh, so I think um, uh, this is, is very important first to know. And then if we know the true instance, and of course then it would be great to see whether for example, instances of, of trolley in regions with female uh, enrollments in the pooled plasma products is different than regions where only male uh, products are being used in the products. What about your findings surprised you in doing this study? Well, for me, I, I first, of course, we, we received the, the, the reports in the Netherlands that the first cases of salted detergent plasma 
were basically reported. And then, of course, you start thinking, well, is it really trolley? Because because everybody, uh, in a way, is echoing uh, each other that that we do not see trolley anymore after solving detergent plasma. But then, when we 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 were able to really see the clinical data, and this patient really has this severe leukopenia, and really this classic trolley. Uh, I mean, this, this this is really intriguing and 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 really um, a very clear cut trolley case again. Also. Uh, a reviewed uh, internationally uh, by independent reviews and all of them stating the same. Um, and this was really triggering for us, like, okay, th there is a mechanism here in the solvent desertion plasma. Um, and, and the lesson again learned is we need this passive reporting to be better because if we do not report, we are not moving forward with the field. And in a way, sometimes I have the feeling everybody wants to, you know, um, uh, let's let's put a, 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 a dot behind the, the trolley, the taco, and let's move forward. But no, it's still an, an issue. It's still something we need to improve. And, and we are obliged to do it because the products, again, are not yet uh, doing the thing we, we believe they should be doing if you look uh, to transfusion medicine from a physiological perspective. Are there plans to start a prospective trolley monitoring program in the Netherlands? If so, what does this look like? Well, um, I, I prefer even to have it more international, but you need uh, people who are really willing to, to dedicate and be on top of the cases, because this is what we notice in several international trolley studies. If you look at prospective studies, the incidences go up uh, 10 to 100 times higher. And if you look then, uh, what is being noted by the bedside physician often uh, is, is maybe a, a, a small part that they are thinking about the transfusion reaction, but the research team is really uh, making the difference. So you need to have very motivated people that, that are really willing to, to make time for it and effort and to, 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 to do such studies. And this is a, well, uh, I really would like to, work on in the upcoming year. So uh, if people are listening internationally and they think this is something I want to contribute to, well, please contact us and, and, uh, and we're going to really do some great uh, prospective trolley research. So, so that's upcoming. But again, it, it, we really need uh, centers being very motivated to do the work. That leads very nicely into my very last question, which is what's next for your group? So uh, uh, what Robert already was saying is that we need a, a different approach for, for understanding solvent detergent plasma in a larger scale setting. This is a, a research project we are working now on um, and, and, and has been finished. Um, so, so this is, I think, coming up soon, we hope. Um, the other uh, fields uh, we are also really working on is this reverse trolley. Uh, together with uh, the blood banks, we are working on that. And so, and this is also something in an international setting we really want to, to work on is understanding those reverse trolley cases, the solvent detergent plasma, uh, which other mechanisms behind the, the HLA, HNA antibodies uh, are there. Uh, do we have still pro-inflammatory mediators accumulating? And we know, of course, that the, the standard versus fresh stock products uh, trials were negative, uh, but we are also focusing on good and bad storers uh, 
is there a difference between donors whether their blood is storing well uh, or not good and 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 if this is the case then we can understand why the the standard randomized trials uh, between fresh and standard blood product storage time uh, are negative because if there is a specific donor factor in it you you will uh, average it in such randomized trial settings so then we need to know who is a good and a bad donor and then do another randomized trial so these are the, the things we are really looking forward to to report results on in the future and that's our show Thank you to Dr. Klanderman and Dr. Vlar for joining us for a great discussion. This has been Yara Park for Transfusions Monthly Podcast. See you next time.